Say this with me. My God is a restorer. I want to talk to you all this morning on the fact that God restores, that Jesus restores. The word restore means to turn back, to put back. I like this. To bring back to a former or original condition. And I love this definition. I believe it could be God's definition. To make better, to improve, to increase, and to multiply. Amen? He is our restorer. You think about all the scriptures in the Bible about that says restoration. David prayed. He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Amen? You know, you've got to keep joy stirred up on the inside of you. You've got to work out your own salvation. Did you know that? That does not mean in any way, fashion, or form that you, you work to get saved. But once you're saved, you've got to do some stirring up. You got to work out what's on the inside of you to the outside of you. And then aren't you glad that you got someone on the inside and he's working on the outside? Oh, what a change in my life. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. If you've lost your joy, I've got good news for you. You can rejoice and you can be restored. You might have to repent, but it's worth it. Hallelujah. To be restored to a position of rejoicing. To get up in the morning and say, I'm saved and I know that I am. I'm saved and I'm glad that I am. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven singing the victory. I'm on my way to heaven shouting glory. Hallelujah. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Amen. Say with me the joy of the Lord. It is my strength. strength. Now, one key to having your joy restored is get on over into the presence of God on a regular basis. Practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God in your living room. Practice the presence of God in your automobile. Practice the presence of God wherever you are. Work on being conscious of the greater one who dwells on the inside of you. For you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of God and the Spirit of grace does reside on the inside. <coughs> Amen. Amen. And so in the presence of the Lord, there, there comes a fullness into our lives. There comes a fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Restore unto me, Lord, the joy of my salvation. Amen. Restoration. My father, your father loves you and he is in the restoration business. Thank God he is. Thank God he brought us out of darkness into his glorious light. Say it with me. Restoration. Restoration Restoration is mine. Now the Bible says, you know, if a man's overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual ought to be instruments of restoration. Or when you see somebody that has fallen or that is having a difficult time, you're not to go in there and, and, and pour salt on their wounds. You're to go there and pour in the oil and the wine. Amen? Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. I believe this, that we all know people that have gotten to the sidelines, spiritually speaking. And I believe that in these last days, he's going to help us restore people. 
need to let people know that God loves them in spite of themselves, in spite of what they've done, in spite of where they've been. God's love never changes. And nothing will ever separate people from the love of God. Restoration is God's business. Restoration is our business. So if you know somebody that's gotten on the wayside, go with the word of restoration. Go with the word of reconciliation. And God will restore unto them the joy of their salvation. Amen. Amen. Restoration. Very powerful uh, subject. A very powerful principle in the word of God. Look with me over at Psalms 23. And notice with me in verses 1 through 3. We'll look at that for a text this morning. The 23rd Psalm. I'm glad the Lord is my shepherd. I'm glad my shepherd's not a taskmaster. I'm glad I'm not under the law. I'm glad I'm under the grace of God. I'm glad I'm under his headship. How about you? Well, the psalmist said in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. He said, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Hallelujah. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Say that twice. He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. Oh, that's powerful. The Lord is our shepherd. He restores our soul. The number one way that he restores your soul is through the word of God. The Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I wonder, does anybody's mind need to be renewed? I wonder, when you got born again, was your mind automatically renewed? Was your body automatically changed? No, it's our responsibility to renew our mind so that our souls, our mind, our will, and our emotions can be restored. Amen? Amen. Can anyone testify to me today that they've been under God's great restoration process by the renewing of your mind and you've received with a teachable spirit, with meekness, the engrafted word, and it is saving your soul? Oh, glory to God. Well, lift up your hands then. And thank Him for the restoration of your soul. See, He is the bishop of our soul. He's watching over your soul. He is watching over your life. Now, we need to cooperate with His restoration of our soul, with that restoration process. Now, how do we do that? Will we get our mind renewed by the Word of God? We let the Word of Christ dwell in us occasionally? No. We let the Word of God dwell in us richly. You ought to be gluttons for the Word. You ought to dose up and redose and overdose on the Word every day. Turn over to Psalm 19, and I want you to notice in verse 7. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord, or the Word of the Lord, is perfect. Can you agree with that? The law of the Lord, the Word of the Lord, is perfect. And it converts or it changes the soul. One translation says, the teachings of the Lord are perfect. They renew the soul. Restoration of the soul. 
reviving of the soul, even refreshing of the soul belongs to you and it belongs to me. Now, friend, if you've lost your peace of mind and torment is knocking on the door of your life and you're experiencing anxiety in your life, come unto the Lord Jesus Christ and let him restore your soul. You know, in John 14, the Bible says that we are not to allow our hearts or our minds to be troubled. Stop allowing yourself to be agitated and full of fear and full of anxiety. I believe this, that the word of the Lord is perfect for any situation. I believe that there is an exceeding great and precious promise for every pressure you and I may face. Amen. And there are pressures in this world. There are pressures that come to us in our soul. There are pressures that come against our bodies. There are pressures that come against our finances. But I hear the word of the Lord converts the soul. I've heard that the Lord is our shepherd. And as long as the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want for peace. As long as the Lord is our shepherd, we don't have to walk around full of fear and full of anxiety. Because the truth of the matter is, he didn't give you a spirit of fear. But a power, love and a sound mind. Amen? Amen. What else will he restore in your life? We'll turn over to Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah the 30th chapter. I want you to notice in verse 17. Say it with me. He is rekindling. He is rebuilding. He is rejuvenating. Strength in my soul. Now here's a great scripture to stand on. If your health has been stolen, there's restoration for stolen health. Amen. Are you ready to shout with me? Verse 17, he says, for I will. I like that. Well, you know, when God says I will, you know he will. What will you do, God? I will restore health unto thee. In other words... I'm going to make your health better than before. I'm going to improve your health. I'm going to increase your health. I'm going to multiply your health. I'm going to bring your health back to its formal condition or its original condition. And I'm going to make you healthier than you ever been. Because in I, in fact, glory to God, will renew your youth just like the eagles. Amen. Say with me, he renews my youth. This hour, this day, just like an eagle's. Now notice with me, and let's keep this on the screen here. He said, I will restore health unto thee. The word restore there carries with the thought of springing up or quickening. I believe that suddenly, while you're sitting in your chair today, God can quicken your mortal body. If you came in with pain, I believe God can and will take pain right out of your body. He is the restorer of your health. I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal you of your wounds. Now, the word heal there deals with not only physical ailments and physical pain, but the word heal there also deals with individual distresses. Now, the context of Jeremiah 30 is he's talking about the children of Israel. And he's talking about all of the trouble that they faced and how that their nation was in great disarray because of their disobedience. 
And the Lord is saying, I'm going to quicken. I'm going to restore. I'm going to deliver you from your present distresses. I am going to heal you of your wounds. Think about it. The word wounds there means those things that have defeated you in your life. Has anybody ever faced defeat in their life? Well, God says this. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to lift you out of that place of defeat right back into a place of victory. And you know, that's good news. It's better to walk in victory than it is to walk in defeat. I'll drink to that. Say it with me. Now, thanks be to God. Who always, at all times, and in every way, he causes me to triumph. Say this. Thanks be to God. Who restores my soul. Who restores health unto me. Delivers me from distress. And heals my wounds. Lifts me out of defeat. Right on into victory. Man, victory is sweet, ain't it? Glory to God. Now, what I really want you to see is this this morning. We serve a God who restores you from setbacks. Setbacks. Anybody ever been set back before? Okay. I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Just a real simple message. But oh, I believe that faith is rising up in this place today. And we'll take some time with this one. Father, thank you for your word. May the eyes of our heart be enlightened. May our spirits be strengthened and encouraged today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and it says he restores from setbacks. Verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 30. Everybody there? Now because I'm taking my jacket off does not mean you need to turn the air conditioner up. I'm fine. You're fine. Everybody's fine. Fine. And it came to pass. When David and his men were come to Ziklag, and by the way, the word Ziklag there means grief. Imagine living in a city called grief on the third day. And by the way, they were tired when they came back in. And the Amalekites, of course, these were enemies of Israel. They had invaded the south and they had invaded Ziklag and they had smitten Ziklag and they burned it with fire. Okay? Notice with me in verse 2. And had taken the women captive that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. This is an in-your-face attack. Came home tired, to find that a city that was already called grief was burned with fire. And not only did they take their wives, but they take, took their children. They carried away everything they possibly could. Verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, 
and their wives and sons were taken captives and daughters. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. I don't know whether you've ever been in a situation like that where you've had no more power to weep, but it's not a very pleasant place. It's a hellish place. They were experiencing hell on earth right here to the degree that they had no more power to reap, to weep. They were overcome. They were overcome with grief. They were overcome with discouragement. Whatever strength they had when they got home was now completely gone and completely depleted. Notice with me in verse 5. And David's two wives were taken captives. By the way, you can only have one now. And one is all I want. That's right. Ohinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. But the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David, everyone say, but David. (laughs) What did David do? David, he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now what that tells me is David was distressed. David was very discouraged. But David knew where to go. David knew to go to the rock that was higher than him. Do you know where to go? Is the first person you go to your therapist? Is the first thing you go to is pills? If it is, you're going to the wrong source. Nothing wrong with having a therapist. Nothing wrong with taking a pill by faith. But you must go to the rock that is higher than you. Because all of the answers and all that you'll ever need is found in him. So here's what David did. He stirred himself up. He encouraged himself in the Lord. I want to paint a word picture to you today by asking a question. How did David encourage himself in the Lord? I believe this. That David looked back and started rejoicing and remembering how much His God loves him. I believe that David looked back at being that shepherd boy. And how that God took him from being a shepherd boy to the king of Israel. I believe that David looked back even when he had sinned and even when he had missed it. That God restored him. David is the one that said restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And so when you're distressed and when discouragement besieges your life, remember how much God loves you. Remember the love of God. Remember the mercy of God. Sometimes 
we get into a rut of discouragement and into a rut of distress by our own wrongdoing. Sometimes we've opened up the door to those things. But oh, thank God for the mercy of God. Lamentation says this. He says, I call to my remembrance. And it brings me great hope. Because I know that the mercies of the Lord endure forever. And then he said, great is your faithfulness. So David's out there. And he's thinking about the love of God. Amen. Secondly, I believe that David strengthened himself by remembering God's promises and the calling of God upon his life. There are times in life where I do not feel like a man of faith and power, but I feel like a man of paste and flour. And if you were to be honest with yourself, you would say the same thing. Because the enemy of our soul wants to demean and to diminish the things that God has spoken to us in His Word. And also, He wants to demean the things that He's called us to do and called us to be. Don't you know God's called you to be something? He's called you to do something. And so David's out there and he starts remembering the call of God on his life. He may have said something like this. I am an anointed man of God. I'm called by God. I am a child of the King. I have a high calling in my life. I've been given exceeding great and precious promises. And he has not changed his mind about me. So as he's out there stirring himself up about God's love and God's promises and God's calling, something of hope starts rising on the inside of him. And the same thing will happen for you. There are times you've got to stir yourself up and have a good talk with yourself. And open up the scriptures. Scriptures like, I know the plans that I have for you. The plans that I have for you are awesome. The purposes that I have for you in your life are great. They're big and they're awesome. And then you need to open up the scriptures and say what God said about you. I'm a child of the king. I'm his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Speaking the word of God will cause your spirit to be strong. And you'll be able to look the devil eye to eye and say, you want some of this? You feeling lucky today, punk? The devil wants to punk you out. But Jesus already punked him out. And thank God you can remind yourself of the promises of God. And thirdly, I believe that David must have looked back and remembered God's past deliverances. He could have said to himself, yeah, this is a terrible spot, all right. But when remember the times that the Lord delivered me out of this bad spot before. He did it then and he'll do it again. In other words, God has not brought you this far to take his hand off you. God has not just delivered you from darkness, but he's also brought you into the glorious kingdom of his dear son. Just look what God's already done in your life. We sing a song around here. Look what the Lord has done. 
Think about what God's done for you. He has delivered you. Look at Colossians 1 verse 13. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And then while you're at it, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. So it's the same thing with us. Look what God's already brought you out of. Look what he's already done for your life. 2 Corinthians 1.10, read this with me. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust. Let's keep that up there. Is that not past, present, and future? He did deliver. He does deliver. And I am fully persuaded that he will deliver. So don't let a setback cause you to sit back, stand up, stir up, and get ready for a restoration comeback. Notice with me in verse 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 30. So David spent some time encouraging himself in the Lord. It's a good thing to do. In verse 7, And David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. Verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them. And without fail, what will happen? Recover all this restoration. Now I saw this as I was studying this. David did not pray and inquire of the Lord until he was ready to hear from the Lord. It's difficult to hear from the Lord when you're distressed. It's difficult to hear from the Lord when you're discouraged. I believe that in those times of distress and in those times of discouragement, we should lay aside prayer that we need for direction and just go to the rock that's higher than I and get into the presence of God and let him stir our spirits and build our spirits up. In other words, what I'm saying is this. It's not smart to inquire of the Lord when you're in the fog of discouragement. But rather clear the fog. Spend time encouraging yourself and stirring yourself up. Amen. One thing, practice that I've put in place. How many of you have ever had a, a procedure medically and they've told you don't make any major decisions for at least 48 hours? Why? Because of the, some of the side effects perhaps of the anesthesia? Yeah. Or some of the side effects of the certain medications that they gave you, whatever procedure it was. You know, whether it be a colonoscopy or endoscopy or whatever the case may be. They will always tell you, make sure that you have someone there that can drive you home. Uh Oh, I can drive. No, you can't. You need a designated driver. You're medicated. And then they always say, "Don't, don't make any major decisions over the next several hours. We've always adopted this, spiritually speaking. I do not, and I refuse to make major decisions when I'm battling off the fog in my life. 
I wish I could tell you that I've never been foggy. But I can't stand up here and lie. But when the fog is there, it's not time to make major decisions. Ministry decisions, major money decisions, major decisions. The time is, is to get rid of the fog. Amen? Get rid of the fog. Stir yourself up. Now, I wish I could say that you could stir me up. Or I wish I could call somebody on the phone and say, Brother, stir me up. No, it's my responsibility to stir myself up. Now, I can call Paul on the phone. I can call Joe on the phone. I can call Brother George on the phone. And I can say, tell me again how how much God meets our needs. Tell me again how much God loves me. Or I could call you on the phone. You could call me on the phone and say, tell me again how healed I am. Amen. That's different than asking someone to do all your praying for you. I believe when we're afflicted, the Bible says we ought to pray. When we're happy, we ought to sing some psalms. Now, I don't call Brother Lou up on the phone and say, Brother Lou, I'm happy. Sing a psalm for me. No, I can sing my own psalm. I can sing my own song when I'm happy. But if anyone among you is afflicted, let him pray. Amen. Now, so here's what God said when he inquired of the Lord. God said, pursue. Everyone say pursue. Now, the word pursue simply means to follow with a view in mind of overtaking them. So it pursue, you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, you shall recover all. God first gave David something to do. What was he to do? He was to pursue. Then God gave him a promise in the doing of the pursuing. You will overtake them and you will, without fail, recover all. The word recover there means to get back or to regain. Now notice with me in verse 9. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor. With those that were left behind, stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 men behind, which were so faint, they could not go over the brook. And they found an Egyptian in the field. And they brought him to David, and gave him bread and did eat, and made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs with two clusters of raisins, And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water for three days and three nights. And that's a long time. Verse 13. And David said unto him, To whom do you belong? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Chirhites, under the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, 
and we burn Ziklag with fire. Say it with me, he was one of them. <laughs> and David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by your God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. Read verse 16 with me. Ready, read. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread about upon all the earth. Go ahead. What were they doing? They were eating. They were drinking. And they were dancing. We could say that the enemy was rejoicing at their great victory. There was another enemy that was rejoicing for three days and three nights at a victory he thought was done. But on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. In other words, restoration for all mankind was bought and paid for, and Jesus came back to life. Party over. No more wine. The music went silent. Because now they had big trouble on their hands. I saw this as I was studying. That the enemy rejoices over the fact that the people of God seem to be down and seem to be defeated. But then on the inside of me, what rose up was Micah chapter 7. And I want you to look at that in verse 8. Micah chapter 7, verse 8. Hallelujah. Here's your attitude. Now, this is the attitude of a stirred up believer. This is the attitude of you. This is our attitude. Read it with me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord... Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, when I fall. I shall arise. And when I do arise, I'm coming after you. And I'm going to bust your head. And I'm going to take back what you stole. And I'm going to get more besides. So you just keep on dancing. You just keep on partying. But I am on my way. Because the one who raised Jesus from the dead, raised me from the dead. And his restoration power is mine. See, we serve a good God, but the devil's a thief. Will you bear with me just a few more moments this morning? In Proverbs chapter 6, and you don't need to turn there, in verse 31, 
If a thief is caught, or in other words, if we find out about a thief, have you found out that the devil's a thief? So his shenanigans, if you will, have been uncovered. If he is caught, if he is found out about, here's what the Bible says, he must pay back seven times what he stole. Even if he has to sell everything in his house. (laughs) Another translation says, and if he is caught, he'll pay sevenfold. And he will give all the goods of his house. Say it with me. When I fall, I shall shall arise. In other words, I'm on my way back. I'm not letting this setback cause me to sit back. I'm stirred up now. I'm standing up now. And I'm coming for a glorious comeback. Amen? All right, let's close this up. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 17. Somebody shout hallelujah anyhow. Glory to God. Verse 17. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them. Save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all. Say it with me. David recovered all. And I will recover all. He recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. Verse 19. And there was nothing lacking to them. Neither small nor great. Neither sons or daughters. Neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered everything. And I love how the Amplified says. It says this. And David captured all the flocks and herds which the enemy had. And the people drove those animals before him and said, This is David's spoil. Are you getting it? He didn't just get back what was stolen. He got back the spoil. He got back more besides. I guess that's restoration. We could say it this way. He got double for his trouble. I believe today that the devil's going to be sorry he even bothered to drop by your house and trouble you. I believe that you're going to bust him in the head. Because you may have fallen, but now you're on your feet. You got your sword out. It's sharp. You got the high praises of God coming out of your mouth. You got the word of the Lord coming out of your mouth. And you know what? He's backing down and he's running as in terror from Holy Ghost, spirit-filled believers who believe in the restorative power of God. I hear the word of the Lord saying, instead of your former shame, you shall have a Double recompense. God's given me double for my trouble. Now here is the take home. Listen very carefully. Here's what you do in a setting like this. Number one, encourage yourself in the Lord. Number two, inquire of the Lord for their answers in his presence. Number three, get his promises firm in your heart and speak God's word of restoration. You know, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Number four, get a plan of action. Get a plan of action. Number five, pursue and do. Number six, overtake him 
by using your God-given authority. And number seven, recover it all and take it all back. But you've got to get the plan of action for yourself. David's plan of action was directly from the Lord. God will give you a plan of action how that you can be restored and how it can be better in your life than before. Amen? Amen? Amen. Inquiring of the Lord. Getting over into the presence of the Lord. Let's all stand to our feet.